real news. All right. Welcome, everyone, uh, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is July 23rd, 2020, and it's Thursday. Thursday is a day the president likes. On hump day, he likes to stir the pot. On Thursday, he likes to go full out. So today, we're going to be talking about a variety of topics of interest. Um, so we're going to talk about current events. We're going to start with Operation Legend, just so that you see why they're so upset. Um, Duckworth, in her own way, kind of uh, let it slip. We're going to discuss how, you know, they grab something. Whatever the president says, they're going to mock him. You have to understand that this is war globally. Uh, Russia's under attack as well. Uh, no one is talking about that. Uh, the United Kingdom is now blaming Russia. Remember, the United Kingdom that meddled in our, in our elections, the United Kingdom, can't, the whole world meddled in our elections, is now saying, oh yeah, we we're a victim of Russia. So now they're starting a Russia hoax on that end to reunify that continent with the crown. And I'm going to talk to you about game theory. See, that was actually my forte. That's what localizers are in a sense. I mean, now it is the year 2020 and uh, they're making it more known that they're using uh, computer. Uh, well, I would say computational linguistics uh, and computers and mathematics in order to crunch numbers for human beings, human interactions, cultural nuances. They're actually trying to quantify them. And I've said this for those of you that have been listening to me from forever and a day, I do fancy math. And the one thing that causes them to fail, to actually fail, is that they take uh, human response and humankind as, uh, you know, uh, they quantify it when they can't. They should treat it like a node because if you look at it from a mathematical perspective, people cannot be quantified because they are chaotic, meaning they you do not understand how every individual operates, thinks, and responds. Therefore, you will not get an absolute, um, you know, uh, solution to whatever problem you're trying to um, put together. So for those of you that are joining me on the radio, I hope you have a good drive or wherever you are mowing your lawn, at work, at the gym. Um, uh, just to say, I hop on at 12. Obviously, there's top of the hour ads for Red State Talk Radio. So those that have joined, I let them see how in Russia right now, uh, there is so there are actual literal fires everywhere and protests that have been coming in from China. So China has now invaded into Russia and Soros has been, you know, Soros has been banned from Russia. And so they've started attacking on that front. In addition, we're seeing a lot of chaos and fires in Iran. And that's normal because we have deployment of Stuxnet everywhere. This is full blown at war. And the mainstream media, instead of talking about the things that are happening, at least at home, they're constantly pushing this, uh, you know, coronavirus numbers uh, to keep everyone terrified. And this is it. They stick you in a bubble and they tell you what it is you need to think about and, and, and do. We need to break out of that bubble. And, uh, you know, considering that this warfare... <laughs> 
actual physical warfare is also complemented with digital warfare to hijack your ability to have knowledge. So this is, uh, this is, uh, you know, all happening right now in front of us. Um, they're not going to tell you what's going on. They're not going to uh, push it around. They're not going to amplify it. You know, today a congressman uh, from Philadelphia was charged with election meddling and stuffing envelopes and cheating on the elections. Uh, in the meantime, we have uh, people like the Clintons holding, listen to this, video conferences, you know, teaching people about how important it is to be a contact tracer. And uh, I'm working on that article to make it concise. Um, obviously, for my listeners, they understand it better, the whole purpose of contact tracing. Uh, it's uh, multifaceted. It is a weapon in, uh, you know, disguise. It is being purported that, oh, they just want it to trace how fast the virus goes. It's a lie. Well, in essence, not super lie, because when they deploy whatever they want to deploy to minimize the head count, they're going to have to know how to control it. But the bottom line is, at this moment, they are finding it very important to harvest your uh, DNA, your blood, your plasma, that liquid gold, uh, you know, that is being sold for top dollar to huge uh, blood derived manufacturing pharmaceutical companies. So um, I think maybe what we can start with is um, just a little little music um, that I love. Uh, for us to remember what our nation is, you know, uh, and, you know, when, when it's done, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you what the future would have been today if things didn't happen the way they did. So um, let me let me play that for you because it's important that we remember and I love it. So here we go. I don't care if YouTube keeps demonic. They, they demonetize me automatically. I really don't care. Um we need to be able to be on any platform uh, just to um, get knowledge out there. It's um, very important.
just remember, it only takes one drop to make a glass overfill. That is something my father uh, told me. And we are that drop. We, the people, are that drop. We are the existential threat to their existence. And this is why they are so rapidly going against us. So um, I wanted to... Uh, start today's show with a few news that, uh, you know, will shock uh, all of us. Uh, here we have a teacher in Detroit. Not a lot of nobody's actually talking about this. And this teacher was uh, on social media and um, he's a social studies teacher, um, a baseball coach, according uh, to the reports. And uh, he retweeted President Trump's tweet that says schools must open in the fall. And then he also tweeted out, I'm done being silent. Um, president Trump is our president. Don't at me. Well, this guy, this is his tweet, Right. And look at this. His, he was called into a Zoom meeting by the school board talking about his tweets and, you know, what he meant about, you know, he's tired of liberals or whatever, and they fired him. Now, when I said, hey, maybe we should start this whole POC thing and take that word back, politically outspoken conservatives, uh, we are the most hunted, the most, um, uh, you know, uh, discriminated against uh, by... Not the people, because there are more of us than there are them. Remember what we're seeing in Portland, where it looks like a war zone. It looks like a like I've seen war, and it looks like what we did, you know, in the early days when we were in, uh, you know, Iraq, and no one knew that we were at war yet. Uh, that is how bad it looks. I'm I'm gonna go through a couple of tweets this morning. Um, just um, to describe uh, to those that are listening on the radio just how pretty insane everything looks. Uh, federal officers were actually being attacked uh, by Antifa's. Obviously, this one chick, I'm not going to put the sound on because she was screaming. But look, they have sniper lasers. Uh, where are they getting these weapons? Uh, they are so well organized. It is it is horrible what I'm seeing. And what's even worse is this clown here who should be the first to be arrested, like I said, early this morning. Which it's hard to breathe. And um, I can tell you uh, with 100% honesty, I saw nothing that provoked this response. It's nasty stuff. I'm not afraid... But I am pissed off. What are you pissed about? This, this, this is a egregious overreaction on the part of the federal officers. There was nothing that I saw in the video that warranted this reaction. Um, and all it's doing, as you can see. Okay, I'm gonna turn. I'm gonna turn that down. Okay, so this is uh, the the wh who you were hearing was um, the mayor of Portland Wheeler, who is sitting there addressing uh, you know a couple thousand people, and like I described, and for those of you watching, they have sniper. 
uh, you know, type weapons with them. And they are enclosing our federal troops that are protecting a federal building. They are setting fires. Uh, and he was like, this is urban warfare. First of all, he doesn't know what urban warfare is, right? But uh, this is very much close to it. Um, for those watching, you can see this um, tweet here where there's um, tons of fires being lit around buildings. It is the most insane thing, uh, you know, that is happening. And, you know, no one from the left or the mainstream media is even bothering to condemn it. None of them. Our nation, the whole world is on fire and not one person has come out to condemn it. So this tells you a lot. Okay. They want this and you have to think, look, they're willing to sell you out to, uh, have you as prisoners forever and ever and ever in order to do what? Gain what? Clout? I don't know. Now, another thing we have is in poli- in, in Hawaii, uh, something crazy. I didn't even know, but apparently they've made 48 arrests to date for violations of 14-day quarantines. And they've subjected people to up to 5,000 unconstitutional fines. Uh, 43-year-old Michael Pechtel of Pacific Grove, California, uh, arrived in Hawaii uh, and he was supposed to be quarantined and decided, you know, he's not really going to do that. And they tracked him down and found out that what he told them right was you know a lie and he was just going somewhere so what they said is when he arrived he attempted to deceive our police detectives into believing he is going to make a make proper accommodations at a local hotel for the duration of his quarantine period but when detectives followed up on the matter it was determined that he did not make a proper accommodations to attempt avoiding the government's requirement. He was then arrested and received medical evaluation and clearance, meaning he's not coronavirus positive. And now he was taken to jail and held on a $1,000 bail. Are you kidding? This is it. These people that are in office across the nation, governors, mayors, council, whatever you want to call them, health directors of health, I I don't care who they are. The bottom line is these people are sick and they will do anything to obtain you. They want you. They don't want Trump is the man leading the way for us. But what they do want is you. You are the ultimate prize. And when we realize that, uh, hopefully we realize it faster rather than later, because sometimes when it's too late, well, you know, it's too late. Everything we see now is a result of us not paying attention and not focusing on, you know, what is going on. Um, speaking about the pandemic, uh, the plandemic, I should say, the infodemic uh, that I coined it as in March, uh, we should see the president's interview with um, uh, with uh, the doctor, Dr. Sagler, um, and he even said... <laughs> Okay, take a listen to this, okay? Let's play this, and here we go. Oh, we're not listening to it. There we go. Scored an exclusive interview with the president today. They talked in depth about the nation's battle against the coronavirus pandemic and what to expect next. 
What about testing? What's your plans going forward with testing, pool testing, or how are you going to approach it? Well, I'm going with the uh, experts. Uh, I happen to think, you know, we're doing more testing than anybody in the world by far. I think second is India with 12 million. We're going to be at over 50, 50 million tests this weekend. And to me, it, every time you test, you find a case, and, you know, it gets reported in the news we found more cases. If instead of 50, we did 25, we'd have half the number of cases. So I personally think it's overrated. You heard him. I think testing is overrated. Why are so many people getting tested? Why is everyone getting tested? But I am totally willing to keep doing it. You know, we have so many more tests than any other country by far. And I, the president of Mexico came to see me. I said, what do you do? And Mexico's got some very big problems. I mean, they test when somebody goes into a hospital. They might test a little area, but it's very limited testing. And this is true with most countries. We're spending a lot of money on massive testing. And I'm okay with it. The experts are saying it's a good thing to do, but we've done 50 million tests. And India, pretty big country, 1.4 billion people, they've done uh, one-third. Okay, so why are we being tested and documented and put in a database and not those other nations? Remember how I said that we provide 75% of the blood and plasma for the whole world? This is where it comes down to. Can you see it now? Of the number of tests that we've done, one-fourth of the number of tests that we've done. So I'm okay with it if they want to do it. But I, again, um, it makes us look bad, but they say it's good. I don't mind looking bad if it's a good thing. But think of it. If instead of 50 million, we did 25 million, we'd have half the number of cases. The cases would be down. Here would be the normally headline. Not for me, it wouldn't be. But for anybody else, they'd say... Cases cut in half, okay, but they wouldn't report it that way. As a father and a grandfather, what do you want to see happen with schools? What will you do? I'd like to see them open. And again, the children, whether it's immune system, I guess it's, uh, I was watching you one night, you said immune system. Whatever it is, they're a lot stronger than we are because it just doesn't have an impact, doesn't have any, almost any impact. It's a tiny percentage of 1%. It's like meaning much, much less than 1%. I'd like to see the schools open. The country has to open. You know, we did the right thing. We closed it down. We saved millions of lives. Now we're opening it up. And I think the Democrats are actually doing it largely for political reasons. They think the economy won't be as strong because we're doing very well with jobs. You saw we broke the record two months in a row with job numbers. Uh, a lot. I really believe the Democrats are doing this for a political reason. If you close down California, you know, it's a big state. You close down some of these places. It's not going to show. Watch on November 4th. Everything will open up. Masks. There's a difference of opinion between two great governors that both support you. Governor Abbott in Texas, universal mask policy in Florida. Governor DeSantis, who I have a great deal of respect for, is not not putting in that mask policy. Certain counties have it. Is there a, a, role, a role you will play in talking to the governors about masks? I'm not talking about a universal mask. On the masks, uh, my attitude is that uh, when I was at the hospital, I felt very comfortable wearing the mask. I was seeing young people that were hurt very badly in military situations. And I felt for them, not for me, I felt for them, my wearing a mask was a good thing. I felt extremely comfortable. Uh, I don't feel comfortable in other settings when I'm all by myself on a stage and everybody's way far away. I don't think it's. 
Okay, so one thing. Uh, one thing not a lot of people know, but most do, is that our president is a germaphobe. That's number one. Number two, I oh, almost always wore a face mask uh, in a hospital only because I didn't want to taint someone else with whatever I may be carrying. To me, it might be nothing. To you, it might be deadly. Uh, uh, this is going back to, you know, how mass migration brought on the, you know, dark age plague and that was because there was a sudden huge wave of migration coming in from the mongols and the middle east into europe and remember they're in a different climate different place they have immune systems where they build up and create because remember bodies create their own viruses right and they create other viruses. They're resistant to other bacteria. They carry other bacteria. Even flora, gut flora is different, uh, you know, depending on your environment. So they came in and everybody got sick. Uh, same scenario here. So I can say uh, what he's saying is totally legit. I felt always, uh, you know, uh, almost nine times out of 10, whenever I'd walk in and, you know, intake a patient for med school or, uh, uh, visit with a patient, I would always wear a mask, just covering my mouth, not my nose, um, more so so I um, don't give them anything I have, not to protect myself. So I just wanted to make that clear. Uh, something that you have to do or should do. But everyone around me is tested, so I'm not the perfect person to talk about it. But I believe that you should wear it, even if there's a 1% chance it helps, you know. When you look at Dr. Fauci and others, and, and this isn't a knock because this is just a way, if you look early on, they were all saying, don't wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. That didn't make total sense to me, but don't wear a mask. Now they're all saying, wear a mask. My attitude is, it probably helps. Give it a shot because we have to win this thing. So it's not a question of pride. It's not a question of anything. We have to win this. So when you're in a certain situation, I think you should wear a mask. Nursing homes, uh, big, big fiasco. Forty uh, percent of the deaths in this country in nursing homes. The governor of New York, who, as you know, was involved in this whole issue of great number of nursing home deaths in New York, is now going around the country advising people on how to get out of a hotspot situation where of New York did really well. Um, what do you think about him blaming the federal government for what happened in the New York nursing homes? Well, he did, and he was hit so hard that he stopped doing that. He was uh, trying to say that he listened to a guideline, because really it was common sense. Uh, we gave them a tremendous facility that they really didn't use. We built a hospital with 2,800 beds. They could have used that. That was clean, 100% clean. And unfortunately, they made it. It was a mistake, and uh, it was a sad mistake. But he's worked very hard. I mean, in all fairness to Governor Cuomo, he's worked very hard. We've gotten along very well. I think overall he's actually said we've done an outstanding job. He actually said he's done a phenomenal job from the federal government standpoint. So we, we moved the ship in. We had a lot of room there. It wasn't utilized like it could have been. And we had the Javits Convention Center where we had 2,800 beds built. And that wasn't used or very, certainly not very much. It would have been great in retrospect if they would have used that for some of these patients. Moving infected people back in certainly was not the answer. We're very, very careful all over the country. I mean, you wouldn't even have to be every governor watch that. And they're all, I think, nursing homes right now are very heavily protected. They have to be, but they're very heavily protected. 
Dr. Burks is a big advisor of yours that isn't getting enough attention. Of course, everyone gets slammed, but I'm disturbed about that because she's a woman. Can you talk to me about her role? So I think she's one of the finest people I've ever met in the world of medicine, medical. You know, she is responsible for all of the incredible work that's taken place on AIDS in Africa. Millions of people are alive right now because of her. She's an unbelievable woman, a woman of tremendous substance and style, frankly. She has an amazing style. She is really somebody that, uh, and that's the least important thing. She is a brilliant woman. She's a great woman. She gets some very unfair treatment, in my opinion. Uh, I read one story in the New York Times, which is fake news largely, uh, but they want to knock her. I think they knock her because she probably is on my side. But she is a fantastic woman who's done a fantastic job. Long before this came up, she was, she was involved in things. You have to look at her background. Her background is incredible. She's a brilliant woman who's a fine, fine person. Final question. Um, this has been very over-politicized, the virus, very disappointing to me as a physician. Can you talk to me about that and lessons you have learned that you would take into the second term in fighting COVID-19? It's highly political. And the Democrats are using it for political reasons and political purposes. And it shouldn't be. This should be a team effort. But regardless, to a certain extent, it is what it is. It's going to burn out. But we're going to have vaccines. We're going to have therapeutics. Some of the therapeutics that we already have are really working well. The remdesivir, the hard part is getting so much of it. Uh, the steroid work and uh, I mean I must tell you you know some of some of the things that are happening are incredible they're saving a lot of lives but we're gonna have in a short period of time we're gonna have some really good therapeutics we're also gonna have some really good vaccines we're also going to say uh, um, now we're also going to see the part that everyone's mocking but I want to play my commercials you know uh, I don't know if any of you know but uh, some of these commercials I, I actually had um, Michael Flynn Jr. record that for me after the major ordeal was over I'll see you in a bit the forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer the time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. After nearly four years, my family's nightmare is finally over. We couldn't have survived this without the love and support of the millions of patriots around the world. Thank you from the bottom of our heart.
Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change, that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am, running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District, because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. Welcome back, everyone. So here we're going to listen to President Trump at another segment of this interview uh, that played on Tucker, where they're talking about the cognitive test. And I'll explain it to you. Those of you that have worked in healthcare, you know exactly what it is. You could be a sound mind. You could be 10. You could be 100. They'll still ask you some questions like, what's your name? Do you know where you are? You know, things like that. Uh, but, and I'll explain to you the test that he's saying that he said at the end, cause everyone's mocking him and it's like, well, Joe Biden won't be able to pass that test about a president, including his cognitive ability. Most presidents don't talk about that, of course, but this president was happy to in great detail when asked by our Dr. Siegel watch. Presidential health or health of a candidate is going to be on the table, of course, as it always is. And I've been someone always asking for that. I've seen a lot about your health, being in good health. What do you think should come out or or be the attention regarding Vice President Biden? Well, I think we have to be in good health. I'll tell you what, this is a very, uh, very important job, to put it mildly. There's nothing like it. And I will also say, and I think I've had to work harder than others because I've been attacked from fronts that nobody ever got attacked on, you know, with fake investigations, fake Russia, 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 Ukraine, Ukraine. I mean, nobody's gone through. And yet I've done more than any president in the first three years in history. There's no president that's done what we've done with rebuilding the military, the judges. We'll be up to almost 300 judges, including two great Supreme Court judges at the end of this term. At the end of this term, by the end of the next term, before he's out of office, hopefully we give him eight years because the first four don't count. Every single, and I'm telling you this, every single Supreme Court judge will be removed and only one will remain. So all of, so, so far we've done two, right? We've got a few more to go to get that, you know, that uh, done. So only one's going to remain. All of them are going to go. So we've got about six more to go. All right. So uh, 
I want you guys to listen to this uh, because the mental fitness is very important. This is where, uh, you know, you see if they are able to comprehend, understand, and um, take decisions. Uh, it is a very important quality that your president should have, which is, I understand. Uh, I believe that we've had a few presidents in the past where we're just like, what? Is he okay? Kind of like, I don't know, Bush Jr., for example. So dumb. That guy, sometimes, I, I remember the first time... I sat across from him and people were talking, people were talking. I was just sitting there and I was thinking to myself, he's standing there and he like, if I could see in his brain, he was picturing something else. Like, I don't know, sitting on the beach, uh, having martinis. I don't know what the heck was going on in that mind. It was as if it was like vacant. Uh, Bush Jr. has to be one of the most stupidest presidents we have. Evil, but completely stupid. Dumb as rocks. You know, literally, if it was a cartoon, his head inside would probably have like elves jumping around and, you know, just empty or cobwebs. Better cobwebs. So um, it's really important. And this is something that should be talked about uh, a lot. A lot, uh, because it's very important that people understand that the sharpness of your mind is key here. Now, as you heard him explain, oh, all these rush investigations, but he's not talking about, right, all the other things that you don't see. Because as I've said, the whole world is on fire right now. Geo uh, strategies have been implemented by these, you know, by them to execute their agenda. Russia, 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 Russia. Why is everyone on Russia? We got China going into Russia. We got India hitting Russia. We got Pakistan hitting Russia. They're totally trying to take out Putin, which unfortunately you're going to see after President Trump leaves office, he's going to die suddenly. I'm telling you that now. Um, but the, the, the thing is, is you're not seeing the bigger picture. It's not just the local. This guy is being hit on all fronts. All fronts. All fronts. So uh, here's where he describes the test, and I'll walk you through it because it, I, I don't know if it didn't come out too clear or maybe people just don't understand it, but uh, let's listen to what he says. So it's really something that's been great, but you need stamina. You need physical health and you need mental health. And because you have so much fake news, every once in a while you'd say, first they'd say, he wants to take over the world. He's going to take over the world. He's a dictator. The next day they'll say, He's crazy. The next day they'll say, oh, he's incompetent. The next day they'll say something. So the last time I was at the hospital, probably a year ago, a little less than a year ago, I asked the doctor, I said, is there some kind of a cognitive test that I could take? Because I've been hearing about it. Because I want to shut these people up. They're, they're fake news. They make up stories. I mean, like, I'll do an interview with you. you. I didn't say you can't ask me about this. You, I, I say, ask me anything. I did one with Chris Wallace. He was nice enough to say. He said, I just want to tell the audience there was no question that's off bounds. Okay, and he's a tough cookie. And it was a good interview. I liked it. I enjoyed it. And it was good. But I didn't say you can only ask this. You can only ask. We have to be sharp. If you're in the office of the presidency, we have to be sharp. So they were saying all these different things. It was going all over. Whichever stuck, none of it stuck, fortunately. But one of the reasons it didn't is that I took a test. I said to the doctor, it was Dr. Ronnie Jackson, I said, is there some kind of a test, an acuity test? And 
He said there actually is, and he named it, whatever it might be. And it was 30 or 35 questions. The first questions are very easy. The last questions are much more difficult, uh, like a memory question. It's uh, like you'll go person, woman, man, camera, TV. So they say, could you repeat that? So I said, yeah. So it's person, woman, man, camera, TV. Okay, that's very good. If you get it in order, you get extra points. If you, okay, now he's asking you other questions, other questions, and then 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes later, they say, remember the first question? Not the first, but the 10th question? Give us that again. Can you do that again? And you go person, woman, man, camera, TV. If you get it in order, you get extra points. Okay, let me tell you something, guys. You should, you should, you should try that on your your children. Will probably fail that test. Okay, uh, this is one of the hardest tests people can do. Um, now, obviously, I can say, uh, you know, I, you know, and it's not like, oh, look at me. It's like just, it's it's not a good thing when you have a high IQ. But I I remember a friend of mine um, who was. Uh, I think I've, I've said this before. He was in graduate school for uh, clinical psychology. And so he had to conduct certain tests, you know, IQ tests and whatnot. That's actually like a mini IQ test to see the sharpness of your mind because that's what it does. And so at the beginning of the test, which was, uh, you know, four hours prior to giving it, he would give a bunch of symbols and say this symbol, like, you know, freaking little stick man or a horse or a stop sign. There were various ones, shapes, octagons, whatever mean this. And then four hours later gives you a stream of, you know, uh, symbols and says, now read that to me. And you're just, you know, and it's triangles, lines and whatever. And you're supposed to do it. This is a shorter version of that. For me, that was easy. I still remember the stick symbols. And if someone ever gave me a paper with those symbols in some form of order, I'd make up a sentence. That's because my memory in certain things are like that. And I know my IQ is high. You know, I, I, I was inducted into Mensa when I was in kindergarten. But it's not about his IQ, how smart he is. But those with a higher IQ have better mental acuity, right? So what this doctor did was like, hey, I'm going to give you five words. We usually say things like blue, bedroom, shoe, sock, you know, to patients. And, you know, you give them five words. Usually it's three words. We all know that. It's not five. Those of you in healthcare know we give them about three words all the time. And so, uh, you know, three words, blue. So we could do it here. For those of you listening now or watching, I'll give you three words and don't write them down. Okay. Test yourself. You don't have to like answer, but, uh, we'll do candle, coffee, mouse. And, um, and then, uh, at the end of the show, I'll say, do you remember the three words that we said? And you probably won't, uh, you know, I will because they're in front of me. (laughs) but you won't. That's the test that he was describing and people were making fun of him. And it's like, dude, Biden doesn't even know what he ate last week. He doesn't even know what he's running for. He doesn't even know who does what. And and you're going to say, you're going to mock the president. He explained the test. So they mocked him for it, of course, because they couldn't mock him on masks, which is going to be a big trap for them because the rest of the world doesn't have to wear masks, but we do. And masks are safe. Ergo, we can vote in person. No need for mail in voting because you know obviously you don't catch it if you're in a riot right 
apparently if you're burning things and beating people up, you don't get it. And if you're wearing a mask, it's totally safe. So that should be fine, right? They said nobody gets it in order. It's actually not that easy. But for me, it was easy. And that's not an easy question. In other words, they ask it to you. They give you five names and you have to repeat them. And that's okay. If you repeat them out of order, it's okay. But, but you know, it's not as good. But then when you go back about 20, 25 minutes later and they say, go back to that question. They don't tell you this. Go back to that question and repeat them. Can you do it? And you go, person, woman, man, camera, TV. They say, that's amazing. How did you do that? I do it because I have like a good memory because I'm cognitively there. Now, Joe should take that test because something's going on. And, and I say this with respect. I mean, it's going to probably happen to all of us, right? You know, it's going to happen. But we can't take a chance of it happening. When you're dealing with Russia, when you and there's nobody been tougher to Russia than me, nobody been tougher to China than me, I can tell you right now, they would love to see Joe Biden instead of Trump. We've taken in billions and billions, tens of billions of dollars from China, which they never gave us anything. They had the worst year before the plague came in. They had the worst year in their, just about in their history, 67 years. It was the worst year they had in 67 years before the plague. And we were doing great. We had the best economy. But we have to have somebody that's sharp. If this person isn't sharp, because I can tell you, President Xi is sharp. President Putin is sharp. Erdogan is sharp. You don't have any non-sharp people that you're dealing with, and we can't have somebody that's not 100%. So what I did is when the... Okay, so I'm going to say something here. I don't know if he's placating to uh, the the insane left. Well, I don't know why he's even advocating for himself. He shouldn't have to. This guy's a boss, right? He shouldn't have to. So whoever's telling him, yeah, you need to get on the defensive and show why you're more important. It just falls into the pocket of them. I've learned that throughout my life because as a person that came out of the shadows, because people like me don't exist, right? Um, it, it's scary because you feel that you need to defend yourself. You feel that you need to restate, you know, your, uh, you, you know, your position where you plant your feet. Uh, you feel, you know, this innate human quality of, I need to do this, but this guy's a boss. The stuff that this man has done is incredible. He shouldn't have to. And I know that that appeases other people, but he shouldn't have to. And this doctor took advantage of that um, by pushing it and, and putting it through. He shouldn't have to. This man is the man, the boss. And you know what? My favorite scene was when he was in Europe. Do you guys remember it? Where he like walked through a crowd of people and pushed them aside and grabbed his jacket. I was like, yes, swerve. I loved it. It was almost when it, it was almost the same feeling I had when I saw Rick Grinnell sway with his sexy satchel out to the White House declassifying everything. So he shouldn't have to do this. Now, here's where the important information falls in respects to this conversation right here. The when, you know, it's a public test. And he said, you know, if you take this test, we may have to reveal it. I said, it's all right. I mean, is it tough? Tell me about it. I'd never heard of it. And I got a perfect mark. And the doctors were 
They said very few people can do that. Very few people get that. You understand. It's, yes. it's not that easy. There were other questions tougher than what I just did. But it's not that easy. But as soon as they announced my score and that test, all the stuff went away about me. Is he competent? Remember, they're talking about 25th Amendment and nonsense. And they said, wow. And even the enemies, they don't say that anymore. But they do say it about Joe Biden. And honestly, he should take the test. In a way, as an obligation to. Bingo. Because you have to be able to show this country that the person that we're picking as leader is sharp. Because we're dealing with people that want to do very bad things to us if they had the chance. So he's right. That's the bingo part. This is why he brought it up. This is why he made it a big deal. And the media fell in the trap. They started talking smack about it, right? Uh, they started, you know, uh, pushing about and saying, oh, you know, uh, we're, oh, he's so dumb. He was like really excited that he passed the test. You know, you know how they go. And so this is great because now when we ask Joe Biden to take that test, you know, you made fun of President Trump. You know what? We should ask him like straight in person. So, Joe, what are your plans? Hey, I'm going to give you three words, you know, cat, mouse and donkey. And then it's like, blah, 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 blah. Hey, do you remember those three words? I don't remember what I ate earlier today is going to be the response. He won't remember anything. He doesn't know anything. And that's the way it is. He's, he's gone. He's, he's checked out a long time ago. Now, speaking of, uh, you know, coronavirus again, uh, uh, we have uh, the Democrats that had a presser this morning and they were talking about what they're doing. I just want to play Pelosi's part and then swipe over to her um, her Q&A session, which was interesting. So let's take a listen to what the Democrats have been saying. Uh, you know, we uh, first of all, there was a comment, uh, Biden to reveal his score. Biden shouldn't have his score revealed. They'll probably fix it. What we want is to ask him on camera live, you know, and that that'll be so funny. But uh, we'll see. OK, let's take a listen to Pelosi. Mark, we're the, for the 18th straight week, the 18th straight week, more than one million people have filed for unemployment claims. Okay, this woman should take the test too. Okay, let's be straight. We come at a time when today we will reach, they predict that we will reach 4 million cases in our country. What's important about that is the steamroller that it is, the, the uh, acceleration that this has. It doesn't diminish because people have filed for unemployment insurance, so we must have reached the peak. It continues. This is the Trump virus acceleration of all of this. Now, listen to this. It took just about 100 days to reach 1 million people infected. It took 43 days to, talk, to get to 2 million. It took 27 days to get to 3 million. And it took 16 days to get to 4 million. That acceleration is an assault on the lives and the livelihood of the American people. If we want to open our schools, if we have to open our economy, we must defeat this virus. We had hoped with this legislation, the HEROES Act, we put forth ours two months and one week ago. They said they needed a pause. Well, they still are not prepared 
You didn't use the pause to prepare. And what we have seen so far falls very short of the challenge that we face in order to defeat the virus and to open, to, in order to open our schools and to open our economy. Science, 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 and science seems to be ignored. The delay, the denial have caused deaths. We can do something about it, but we, can, we must have uh, the appropriate response to it in terms of testing, tracing, treating, uh, just dealing with the virus and not ignoring and saying, well, too many tests and I don't believe in tests and all the rest of that. So we have a real challenge. Forgetting politics, forgetting partisanship, this is patriotism for our country. We're up to four million okay. people. Just so you guys know, just so you guys know, there sounds like in the background, and they're coming from the media taping this. Um, so I just wanted to tell you. Uh, sometimes you can hear them chatter, make noises, or whatever. Listen carefully, because. Well, you missed it, and I'm not going to replay it because I don't want to point it out. But during these live pressers, you should listen to what they're saying. Just over two weeks from the three million mark, we have to act, and and what they're proposing falls far short. But that I want to yield to distinguish uh, rank leader in the in the Senate, uh, who has been well. He'll describe to you what he has been up to. But I salute him and the Senate Democrats. Salute him like you did George Floyd, where you gave him like a flag that veterans get. Jeez. Okay, so here we go where she's talking again. There we go. Here we are. You know, is this going to be McConnell's proposal? Is this going to be the Senate Republicans' proposal? Is this going to be McConnell and the Trump's proposal? No one even knows any of that. You can't negotiate that way. And actually what Leader McConnell had been saying is, uh, the impression he gave was that he was going to be negotiating with the Senate Democrats, yeah. and then they would come up with something as, in, as Congress works its will. One side makes a proffer, the other, the other body uh, then comes back with what they have. But here, to your point, they have nothing for state and local. Guys, can we think about something for a second? I just want to take this moment um, because I, I have to go to a break in three minutes and someone asked if I could play that really boss clip of the president and I want to do it, but I'm going to do it from the BBC News where they talked about it, how obnoxious he was. Um, <laughs> I loved it. Um, think about it. Why do the Democrats and the Republicans negotiate? Shouldn't they all be advocating for us? What are they negotiating? Think about it. You know, people never even think about that for a second. What is it that they're negotiating? Aren't they all supposed to be working for us? Aren't they all supposed to be on the same page? Aren't they all supposed to be looking at what's good for you and I and our children? So what is it exactly that they're negotiating? Why does one side think that it's better than another? They're supposed to be thinking about us. So what is it that they're really negotiating? So let me um, put that clip on from the BBC that was so salty um, how did they label it? Hold on. I'm going to see how they actually labeled it. They said Trump pushes past Montenegro's prime minister. That's it. That's what it's titled. And <laughs> it was my most favorite scene of him. Oh my gosh. I loved it. 
And there's a Thug Life one, so we're going to do that one, too. Oh, here we go. Wait. Gosh darn it. It's... There we go. Donald Trump wants NATO leaders to know who's boss, they say. As he pushes aside, he dressed them down for not paying enough. I have been very, very direct with Secretary Stoltenberg and members of the alliance in saying that NATO members must finally contribute their fair share and meet their financial obligations. But 23 of the 28 member nations. Okay, I want to say something on this as we close this first hour. The president of the United States is right to demand that they pay, you know, his, their portion. Remember, we're providing, right, 75% of all blood supply for the planet. We were paying everything in NATO. He has every right to push every little loser aside and say, stop. You've taken our jobs. You're taking our blood. You're taking our research. You're taking our technology. You're taking our money. And you want us to do what? No, that's not the way it works. So uh, for my radio listeners, we're coming up to a break. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Sess Show. This is the second hour. Remember, you can catch me on Red State Talk Radio. You can download the app on your phone for Talk Stream Live or Talk, talk Right. Uh, talk Right, and that's where you can listen to all the great talk shows. Um, I'm happy to say that you know for the past month, uh, you know the the I'm number three, but you know you know who's beating me, and I'm quite happy they are. It's 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 Rush and Prager. I mean, I'm I'm honored if anything. Uh, you can find me there, uh, YouTube, Periscope, Facebook, and Twitch. And soon I'll be on DLive too. Uh, so that's where you can find me. So um, someone had mentioned, hey, why was Tuesday such a big deal, right? Why was Tuesday such a big deal? We didn't see anything. That's because you don't know what you're looking for. And I'm going to show you what you're looking for that you can't see. So uh, everyone's talking about Operation Legend. Oh, we're going to pick them off. What I've been telling uh, you know, most of my listeners is that that was the turning point. This is where it's our turn. And it's going to be a roller coaster because they're going to push, push, push. And the explosion, depending on how we roll it out in the next eight weeks, right, is going to happen. One thing you're, gonna, you're starting to see is that there is a drop 
in the sealed indictments because they're actually popping. Hawaii, Illinois, Ohio, every single state. And remember, uh, those states that had the sealed indictments, that's not where the sealed indictments were. So if you were being prosecuted, like the RICO case, uh, you know, in uh, Ohio, for example, for the $60 million bribery, RICO, whatever, uh, that case was not being heard by a magistrate in Ohio. It was in another state, and it was a magistrate that the president had appointed, which means... You know, they've been monitored 100%. Who are you talking to? Who are you telling? You better not be speaking to get this indictment. Because remember, I've said this before. In, in grand juries like this, you can indict a ham sandwich. And in this time where everything, everything is so politically charged, right? You have to do a really good job to convince the grand jury. You have to. So... um, This is what is happening. And you know, one person let it slip because she's so pissed. (laughs) Remember yesterday when, when, when he announced, Hey, we're going to go into Chicago and you know, we saw the mayor, yeah, yeah, coming in here. And I said, Oprah, we're coming. Take a listen to exactly what is going on because she kind of let it slip on CNN. I want you guys to listen to it because everybody kind of missed it because we don't watch CNN. Um, but sometimes they mess up and, here it is where Duckworth, uh, <laughs> you know, slipped. Is a former U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel. She's a combat veteran of the Iraq War. And I just wonder, what's your reaction to the president threatening to send federal law enforcement to Chicago and other cities like New York, Philadelphia, and Detroit? Well, my answer to him is don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. This is disgusting, and it is the further politicization of um, our institutions, which should be nonpartisan. He did it with the military when he sent National Guard troops against peaceful protesters in Lafayette Square, and now he's done it in Portland, and he's come to Chicago. Don't even think about it. If you want to do something about gun violence, call Mitch McConnell. Let's have a vote on the floor today on where, on uniform on um, universal background checks and on straw purchases of guns. Let's let's go after gun trafficking. You want to do something? Comment Okay, let me just tell you something about universal gun checks because there's a lot of people that are kind of like, yeah, you know, universal, the word, universal. So in order for you to go buy a gun, right, you're going to go there. They're going to do a quick FBI check, see if you're flagged. If you're not flagged, good. If you are, you're screwed, right? And then you have to appeal. I had a friend of mine that actually was barred from buying firearms, uh, didn't know why. He appealed it. He asked ATF. He's like, I've never been in trouble with the law. Turns out... His name was flagged probably because he was a staunch, uh, you know, Second Amendment supporter. And he fought it through in order to be able to get his rights to guns to find out because no one was telling him why he wasn't allowed to buy guns. Universal means exactly that. Global. This means Interpol. This means United Nations. Just Interpol will be coming into focus later. But that is the uh, police arm of the United Nations. Just keep that in mind. Mitch McConnell have that vote, it would pass. Do not do this. This is wrong. Do you worry? And, yeah. Do, do you worry how it would play out, though? I mean, if you have the mayor saying that she's not going to allow this, and you have the president with this plan, and somehow there's kind of clash, a, a clash, are you worried about how this plays out? 
Of course I'm worried, but this is what this president does. He has overreached his authority. And, you know, my understanding for what they plan on doing in Chicago is actually sending um, DHS and then also ICE troops, uh, uh, folks, um, to come after uh, a so-called uh, human trafficking. Um, uh, and so they're not even coming to work on gun violence. Wait, did you hear that? Let's 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 replay that. Okay, let's replay that. Plan on doing in Chicago is actually sending um, DHS and then also ICE troops, uh, uh, folks, um, to come after uh, a so-called uh, human trafficking. Um, uh, and so they're not even coming to work on gun violence. Um, uh, you know, this, they're, they're, and what are, what are they coming? Oh my gosh, she slipped. She wasn't supposed to say that. Uh, 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 uh. They're not even coming in to do gun violence. They're coming in for human trafficking, child trafficking. Get it? This is it. This is where those indictments, those hundreds of thousands of indictments that have been building up are popping. ICE. Remember I told you ICE was the one with a big fat list with over 5,000 Pentagon officials involved in human and child trafficking. So basically what this woman is telling us is that she's for human and child trafficking because she's pissed that they're coming in to do that. Why are you angry if the president is sending in federal agents, huh, sending in our troops to round up these sick, disgusting individuals? Why? What is the problem with it? Hmm? Hmm. Listen to how she recovers. But let's just play that again. So we we see what the president has been doing. It does. He has overreached his authority. And, you know, my understanding for what they plan on doing in Chicago is actually sending um, DHS and then also ICE troops uh, uh, folks um, to come after uh, a so-called uh, human trafficking. Um, uh, and so they're not even coming to work on gun violence. Um, uh, you know, this they're there. And what are, what are they coming for? I mean, in Portland, they did it to protect Confederate statues. So they sent federal troops in unmarked cars in in you get it she's upset that we're taking human traffickers and child traffickers and drug traffickers off the street riot gear with unmarked without any any designation on it to go protect statues of people who were traitors to this nation that's what he's standing up for don't even think about it in chicago and certainly not anywhere in this country it is wrong and um, i'm going to work very hard to stop him Look, I, I'm not in any way trying to ask you to get inside the president's head, but I'm sure you must have considered <laughs> what is his objective in all of this, and what do you think his objective is? Is it is it politics? It is politics. So he's trying to politicize federal agencies. This is what he's done. Anyone that would stand up to him, he has fired. And so the only people he has uh, in leadership at these federal agencies are lapdogs and, and, and folks who do whatever he wants and who will perverse um, the institutions of our nation. He tried to do with our military. Okay, let's let's just think about this for a second. How is he sending troops okay so our president is sending troops she blew the whistle he's coming for human traffickers hence why i tweeted oprah we're coming right uh you know how is this a problem why is this even a problem why is she complaining she should be like you know what yeah bring them in let's round up all these sick 
individuals that are trafficking human beings and, and children. Because remember, they're human beings. Remember that woman from Honduras? Uh, she was a, a dual citizen and she had 40 Honduran illegals that were slaves. And she was selling them to people to be house slaves. That was in Illinois. So why does she have a problem with this? This is the question you should be asking. So if you want to see what happened on the 21st, this happened. This was fully deployed. This happened. And they are freaking out. And nobody's saying, well, you know, what is this journalist doing? This tool sitting there looking at her. She should say, well, is it a bad thing that he's taking, you know, traffickers off the street? What is she going to say? Well, we can. You haven't done diddly squat for forever. And the president is cleaning it up. And you're upset about it. That is the question. She is sounding the alarm to Oprah and her friends. They're coming for you and you know remember hot dogs and pizza were ordered from chicago and remember that right after the inauguration uh barack obama so hussein left and went on a uh, a sexcapade uh with sir branson at his island right alternative epstein island and they had ordered a lot of entertainment for that period of time because he went on vacay with Mr. Virgin. So, you know, this is where you should listen to them. If people have lost the ability to listen, we're only hearing things. We should be listening because if we listen, we understand kind of like, Hey, president Trump, why do you have to keep defending yourself? He doesn't have to, he didn't have to do it so much, but the reason he talked about the test was to put it out and gave them enough so that they could start mocking him. And it's like, you're Mocking me. Hey, why don't we do this live? Hey, Biden, this. But you know, it's not going to be live. We see what they're already trying to deploy. They're trying to figure out how they can make everything virtual. And you know, Hunter looks great in makeup. Um, and now he's trying to do it with, with the federal forces. Um, and we're not going to stand up for it. And, and this is wrong. And I'm going to work very hard. And we're, we're working on legislation right now that would curb this. But if you want to do something, Mr. President, about gun violence, call Mitch McConnell today. Call him today and let's have a vote on um, gun, common sense gun control legislation that 95% of Americans support, like universal background checks. That would reduce the number of guns in Chicago. And that would reduce the gun violence in the city. I want to ask you about what the president had to say about the military being open to considering changing the names of bases that have been named after Confederate leaders, Fort Bragg among them, Benning, Lee and Polk and others. Here's what he said. Military says they're for Excuse me. I don't care what the military says. I do. I'm supposed to make the decision. And rightfully so, because you're going to get why I say that. Remember, Duckworth was also in the military. Remember that enraged Air Force chick? I didn't even want to tag Navy. She's Navy, but I tagged the Air Force. I didn't want to even tag the Navy because I'm so pissed. So pissed that, you know, sailors are supposed to be commanding land, water, sea, and air. And it's disgusting. Just you'll you'll understand in a couple weeks what I mean by it. Maybe even this. Oh, I really am hoping today. Please drop a bomb on their head. Please, President Trump, let the media sit there and soil their pants, please. What's your reaction to that? He's made nothing but bad decisions. And as commander in chief of the United States military, it is shameful that he would defend statues on and bases that are honoring dead traitors, people who raise arms against our nation in order to sell 
buy, sell, and and harm black Americans. Shameful that the commander-in-chief would actually support traitors. Um, we have 10 bases. They should be named for heroes of this nation. There are lots of wonderful uh, people of color uh, who have won, who have been recipients of the Medal of Honor that he could name them for. And it's shameful. He's threatening to veto the defense budget, which is what we're working on this week. And so what he wants... I know why they want the defense budget, and that's why I'm hoping that today he does it. Please do it today. Please do it today. I want to watch Maggie Maggie Haberman check into Bellevue. (laughs) And I want to see nitroglycerin being slipped under the tongue for every single person to watch. And, you know, she talks about traitors, right? She talks about traitors, yet they, they, they praise McCain. One of the worst human beings ever. Oh, which, by the way, reminds me. I should play this for you guys. It's pretty awesome. I saw it and I was like, yes, someone else found it. I had it from my from my old, um, my own personal account, but this is pretty awesome. Okay, you guys ready for this? I want you to listen carefully. Listen to the loser that they praise. Oh my gosh, this is so good. I was so excited to see Mike retweet this. Here we go. The thing is, when you look at the Congress, though, it's, it's like 24 hours since John McCain was put to death. And John McCain was put to death. The thing is, when you look at the Congress, though, it's, it's like 24 hours since John McCain was put to death. And John McCain was put to death. The thing is, when you look at the Congress... Did you hear that? John McCain was put to death. Did you hear it? I'm just saying. Like, that was pretty, that was pretty awesome, right? That was awesome? Super awesome, right? Yeah, that was pretty awesome. So when I saw it, I was just like, hey, that's what's up. That's what's up. So let's let's listen. Hold on. Let's go to, well, forget Duckworth. So now you understand Operation Legend because I really want to get into game theory and the contact tracing. So before we get into that, mm, we'll talk about spies in the UK manana. So we will nix that. Here we go. So this is going back three days ago where trader Lindsey Graham uh, had a conversation on Hannity about new Russia documents. You're going to be like, wait, are we going to contact us? Yes. But this is important to listen to it today because it will be coming. I need you guys to let this percolate for a bit. Uh, Sometimes when we get information, we have to think about it later. Like this morning, I was talking with my daughter. She said something and I was just like, you know, I didn't even answer. And then after the fact, I was texting her, wait a minute, what did you mean? You know, because it has to sink in sometimes, right? It has to sink in. So um, this is this is one of the most important things he says. And, and this is obviously to save his skin. But take a listen to this. Unraveling as much as ever in the deep state is on the defensive. Friday, Senator Lindsey Graham, South Carolina, his Judiciary Committee released declassified documents showing... What we'd been reporting, the FBI not only had serious doubts about the claims made in Christopher Steele's uh, dirty Russian dossier of misinformation that Hillary paid for. By the way, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows says it's time for indictments. He's right. The time is coming. Take a look. Well, uh, I think the American people expect in, indictments. I know I expect indictments based on the evidence I've seen. Uh, Lindsey Graham did a good job in getting that out. You're going to see a couple of other documents come out in the coming days that will suggest that not only was the campaign spied on, but the FBI did not act appropriately as they were investigating. 
Remember, we now know that by early 2017, the FBI knew without any doubt whatsoever that dossier Hillary paid for with Russian lies and Comey, McCabe, the rest of the deep state. They kept using it for one FISA application after another. They knew it was false, premeditated fraud. Now we learn Friday, Peter Strzok appears to have realized, well, a deep state day of reckoning was on the horizon as the disgraced FBI agent lashing out through his lawyer at Senator Graham following the latest revelations. Here with more, Senator Lindsey Graham. You know, Senator, I guess, uh, <laughs> you know, we know that they were warned before the first FISA uh, application. Right. We know McCabe said without the dirty dossier, there would be no FISA warrant issued. Right. But he said that to the House Intel Committee. Now, right. and we know that Kathleen Kavlak, we know that Bruce mm-hmm. Orr warned them before the first one. They signed right. it. Then we had a subsource in January say, uh, no, right. that, that was all bar talk. Right. Now, you right. have a new document, mostly unredacted. There's a little too many redactions for my liking. Tell us what you found. <laughs> well, I found a memo uh, that was... Uh put together after the interview with the Russian subsource. You said it well, Sean. Without the uh, the Russian dossier, they couldn't obtain a warrant. They tried to get a FISA warning. Stop. So I'm going to take you back in time where I was in D.C. with a friend of mine, and we were talking to McCain's uh, staffer, and he was telling us that there's going to be, uh, you know, a FISA court. Uh, they're putting it through FISA court with this dossier, this these collected documents um, that uh, were put together, uh, and that. Harry uh, Reid was actually talking uh, to Mother Jones. And I knew this uh, just a day before, the well, two days before the Mother Jones uh, article went out, which was, uh, I think, the 31st of October, the 1st of November. Harry Reid did that. So in the meantime, I just wanted you to know that McCain and Lindsey Graham were there, saw them with my own eyes, right? Yip, yip, yip. Yep, about the dossier. So uh, what people need to understand is, obviously, I've never, you know, I, I, it's so far back that determining who we were speaking to is difficult to determine now. And so this is why there's certain times that you say things because so much time has passed. It's very difficult. So there they were. Both of these idiots were there. And they were talking about the dossier, and here he is playing stupid. And and that's okay. I mean, we all, if I know, you better make sure, you better know that the president knows that this is going on. He knows. And you saw it at the Kavanaugh. And then we need to investigate. Remember, these were the idiots, like Gowdy and all these other people, asking for more Russia investigation to get to the bottom of it. Uh, and, and to question the president, right, that he should answer questions, not to get to the bottom of it. See, the president let it play out because the only way to gut a root from the ground is to, you know, move around the roots and make sure all the soil is loose before you yank it. And this was it. We had to let them dig their own graves while there were eyes everywhere against Carter Page 
and it was rejected. They find the dossier, and all of a sudden they get a warrant. Horowitz said, without the dossier, there's no warrant. So from January 24th to January 27th, the FBI interviews the Russian subsource who put the dossier together. They created a 40-page memo showing it was a bunch of garbage, not reliable at all. Here's the question. How could it be that they continue to use the dossier in April and June of 2017, uh, knowing that in January the dossier was completely discredited by the person who put it together? Okay, so before we talk about that more, I'm going to refer back to yesterday's show where I was talking about the different kind of spies one would use. Graham's that. He thought, you know, when the president took him under his arm while we were plugging up leaks and getting rid of bugs and fumigating the White House and he was in New Jersey, they were yapping. So he had the impression that he had duped the president. The president loves him and took him under his arm. And he was feeding him information and asking me, look, look the way to work people like this, to work assets like this that you've deemed as an asset, is to give them 90% of the information that is correct and true, that can be verifiable, and, you know, obviously voice your concerns about the, uh, you know, the threat, and then feed them a bit of misinformation so that way you can lead them down the path you want so you can find them. These are what you call doomed spies because they usually end up dead. Um, in, in, in a battlefield, they do. In this case, it could be just a quick retirement or coronavirus. Here's the question for me. Did the intel analyst who wrote the memo tell anybody up the chain, oh, by the way, our case just fell apart? I find it almost impossible to believe that the senior people at the FBI were not told that in January 2017, the case fell apart against Carter Page. Well, okay, now if that's the case, now I don't know, you're the attorney, Lindsay, but <laughs> that now confirms completely even struck you. Yes. But they so did it anyway. What can, happens can I, to Americans I, when they lie to a court and they know they're lying to a court? You should go to jail. Uh, to get a warrant, the court relies on affidavits signed by law enforcement officials. So on August the 5th, I'm calling Sally Yates. She was the number two at the Justice Department. On August the 5th, she will come before our committee, and I appreciate her voluntarily coming. Remember, on January the 4th, 2017, the FBI agents... Uh, involved in on the ground said let's drop Flynn from Crossfire Hurricane. We found no evidence at all that he was working with the Russians. Let's take him out of the investigation. That's when Strzok tells those people no, the seventh floor wants to keep going. So the next day, January the 5th, they meet with President Obama and Vice President Biden. And Chief Justice Roberts was there, not physically, providing legal advice. If he can or cannot stymie uh, the inauguration or annul the elections. This was, there were two conversations in January. Everybody keeps omitting the fact that the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court was called in. And, you know, I've had people say, well, that's, uh, and wait. I've had people that are in Senate now and in Congress now say that's okay. The president can. No, he can't. He can't just freaking phone up the chief justice and say, yo, hey, John, 
You need to help me out. We want to get this done. Is this enough information? Well, the legal implication, what? No, he's not your lawyer on tap. He's not the lawyer or the judge for the president. He is the one that interprets the law of the land. He should not be involved. Yet he has. I said, Scotusgate is going to be huge. Now, a lot of you are saying, well, I think Lindsay flipped. Lindsay is all in now. Lindsay knows that he's dead in the water. Dead in the water. If President Trump doesn't get elected, he's got, are they going to, they're going to perpetuate coronavirus, right? So he's got that. That's it. <laughs> because uh, right after the elections, there's no more coronavirus ever at all again. So you have to, uh, you know, pay attention, pay attention. And I've talked about, you know, Chief Justice Roberts when I did my William Barr, you know, when he was nominated and how I said, I told you people back in 2018, oh, he might not be confirmed, but if he does, it's going to be way late, like February, March. And everyone was calling me crazy. No way we're going to have an acting attorney general that long. And it's like, yes, way we are, you know, yes, way we are. And it did. And during that, I told you that this whole Mina scandal had roots in Ohio. And guess what? Roberts was part of that. So you're going to see it coming down the line later, later. You know, he might not be held accountable for the death of Barry Seal, for the execution of Barry Seal. But, you know, one day when I'm able to, I'll talk about my trip when I met Noriega and I asked him questions. Totally on vacay, of course. So these are things, uh, you know, that people, you know, from the outside, because all, you know, unfortunately, people can only see what the media lets you see. You will not be able to see the news because they don't want you to. And they will employ people to distract you. I've noticed something weird on Twitter. I don't know if you guys have. But for some reason, I'm not seeing tweets. I'm not seeing people tweets. Like, for example, I'll tweet something. It's retweeted. But I don't see anybody else's stuff retweeted. I don't see any news. I actually have to... I've went back and put all the bells on because I only follow like 900 people and that's still a lot, but I follow people that I know retweet content from other people, you know, so I don't have a congested feed. They are obfuscating everything. Every single person, they are obfuscating everything. News. Like, you don't know that Russia, half of the continent there, is like on fire. You don't know that they're being invaded. You don't know that there's riots. Do you know that the same is going on in Mongolia? Do you know what's going on in Pakistan? Right now, it's trending about this Bollywood guy who was killed, and people are like, it's not suicide. And it looks so crazy, and no one is paying attention to that. No one is looking at what the European Union's doing. No one's looking at what the UN is doing they're totally distracting you with everything you know uh, you know that they think that you need to stay in this bubble and you know what's dumb is that the left is so stupid like why would they ban people from social media you think by creating an echo chamber with your bots and your dildo waivers uh you know you win no, you don't, because we're still going to get out to the polls. We're still going to vote for that man. And every single person will drive someone to the polling station if they need help, because that's what real patriots do. And there's a lot more of us than they claim there are. So why are they doing this? It's for the global thing. They answer to other people. You have to understand that they're answering to other people. And that's what's important. So that's where we're going to get into game theory. Um, now, so I'm going to get rid of Lindsey Graham. We all know that indictments are here. Uh, it's a matter of time. So I want to get into game theory. And so you can understand with contact tracing how that works. So 
at, while you're distracted, this Bill Clinton is a rapist, is having conversations, and get this, Clinton Global Initiative University. What in the... What? Listen to what he says uh, with Gavin Newsom. Hold on, let me start it from the beginning. And what you're going to see is going to... You're going to be like, this is insane, Tori. It's, it's, it's just impossible. Just, just listen to it. That's the worst part. 42nd president of the United States. And Gavin Newsom... 42nd impeached president of the United States. Let's fix that for them. Newsom, governor of California. Governor Newsom, thank you for joining us and thank you for your extraordinary leadership during this COVID-19 crisis. Thank you. Uh, I'd like to begin with a question that was raised this week in the press when you and your colleagues out there, the governors of Oregon and Washington, said you would try to follow a joint plan to reopen the economy. And uh, I'd like to tell everybody else in America and around the world that that should be important to them because before this happened, California's economy was growing at 3.8% a year. That's 50% faster than the U.S. economy as a whole was growing. So we need you back, but... (laughs) You can't really get back unless you know your people are going to be safe. So if you could keep in mind, we got 800 students here from all around the world, about 100 countries. Um, They're in different situations, but they all want California back. And so what are the criteria that you and your colleagues uh, in Washington and Oregon Jay Ensley and Kate Brown are going to decide uh, will determine opening the economy. I appreciate that, Mr. President. Let me just stipulate what you said is true. The 3.8% is average GDP growth over the last five years. Uh, Last year, we ran a $21.4 billion operating surplus. And we're really proud of California's growth that's now pushed us as the fifth largest economy in the world. Uh, We talk about ourselves in terms of being a nation state. It's figurative, not literal, uh, but it's a state of 40 million people, 27% of Californians foreign born. uh, And we're very prideful of that. But we're also uh, very impacted by macroeconomics. And as a consequence, we tend to do a little bit better in the good times and a little bit worse in the bad times. Well, bad times are upon us. And we're very, very cautious and concerned. 2.7 million Californians have filed for unemployment insurance claims just in the last 32 days. And so the pressure is on all of us to talk about not just health, but also the economy and talk about the economy in the context of how that impacts public health as well. And rather than doing it alone, we're trying to do it together. I think that's the old African proverb uh, that I heard uh, from you a decade or two ago. said, you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And so we want to extend the relationship, extend the narrative of support uh, up and down uh, the coast here in North America, in Oregon, Washington, California, share best practices and approaches. And we've laid out six criteria uh, that we believe can become best practices in terms of how we toggle from 
moving beyond the stay-at-home orders and then push further on more restrictive strategies where individuals will be required to do more for themselves as we start to phase in an opening of our economies. Takes a while to respond, huh? Thank you very much. I'd, I'd like to ask about one other contemporary issue, and then we'll talk about the management of this epidemic more generally. When I saw the stories in the last couple of weeks, or last week, about the dramatic difference in the impact of COVID-19 in some states on people based on into the middle class, people are- I'm trying to find the part on contact tracing, hold on. Are really America's pre-existing condition, and that is the COVID-19 that goes back to SARS, measles, TB, uh, et cetera, tracking and tracing capacity. We have a contract tracing be done. Here we go. But it also indicates why the country should do more to expand access to health care in general. Uh, That's right. That's right. Let me ask you one other thing. Uh, one of the elements, key elements, in your plan to be able to reopen California, and I liked it, by the way, because you didn't overpromise. You didn't promise you could do things you couldn't, and you made it clear that unless you could do it without more people getting sick and dying, it couldn't be done. But one of the things that you have to be able to do is to track people who are positive. Where were they? Who were they in contact with? How can you hem up any recurrence of this? Uh, Massachusetts has recently announced that they're going to try to build a statewide tracking program, and they've asked partners in health to run it for them. And they're one of my partners in the work we've done in Africa, Haiti, and other places. But where are we going to get all these contact tracers? Okay, so contact tracing. Guys, I've, I've, I've said this. Contact tracing is not what you think. It is to trace the people that have immunities they need. They are pushing and using your money to now advertise for people to donate blood and plasma. Plasma is liquid gold. Actually, someone that um, I have been interacting with on social media was like, hey, I'll actually read you her message to me. I'll read it out loud. Um, and I won't, you know, tell you who they are. But... Um, the message was, give me a second. Let me find it. She said that she worked and she's like, this is liquid gold. Uh, and it is. It's a straw color. They do call it liquid gold. That's what it is. That is what plasma is. And they will do anything to collect it. Uh, this person, when they were going through school, uh, was working at one of these harvesting institutions. Uh, you know, like I said, there's three major ones. The Swiss one, Octopharma, uh, that's owned by someone that's more powerful than George Soros, right? Wolfgang. And CSL, which is owned by the crown. And Griffles, which is Soros's, basically. Uh, and it comes out of Spain. So we don't even have American-based ones. And their point of contact tracing is to, uh, you know, uh, put you in a database to see what you have. Now, 
There is, uh, I think I, I mentioned this the other day. I was on the phone with a really, really good friend of mine. And in Canada, where you have socialized medicine, and if uh, the government is, uh, you know, watching, is taking care of you and paying for your care, uh, they have now taken hostage people that are O negative and putting them in makeshift camps where they're constantly pulling their blood, pulling their plasma and testing them like animals. So this is liquid gold. And I've tried to, during my uh, episode on the 13th of July, explain to you guys what the importance of your plasma is and how important it is. This is where they drip you dry. And I've, you know, told you through my article and through radio, just how crazy it is that now they're going to use my money, your money, our money to promote and, uh, you know, hack your reality into thinking that this is something you need to do. Uh, you know, I was even told, Hey, if you don't give it, then you're a POS because people are going to die. And it's like, I don't want to be in a lab where you're just harvesting my stuff. Again, it's really important. Now let's listen to this. And now you're going to, and with that, I'm going to jump over to game theory and what you can do in this, a, this war that we are, this wartime, right? What you can do in cyberspace um, to evade algorithms that cannot pick it up yet. Uh, should we have like, should, like you did with the, California did with the Conservation Corps of Young People, should we have a contract tracer corps, even if we call it something more elegant? Should we yeah. really build the first public health network we've ever really built in this country around this issue? I think the answer is absolutely yes, and, and I, I love the Massachusetts example. We were able to learn uh, from them. We're all sharing best practices in real time. Uh, but this is an interesting point that's often not brought up. Uh, we have tracing capacity that predates COVID-19. It goes back to SARS, measles, TB, uh, et cetera. Tracking and tracing capacity that exists in the county levels primarily uh, and increasing capacity at the state level. So what we're doing is we're building off that existing infrastructure and using the tools of technology to overlay. In addition to that, we're using AmeriCorps specifically. Uh, and thank you as a champion for AmeriCorps. Uh, for decades, uh, we've been able to take advantage of that workforce. Obviously, our conservation uh, core. What we have now is called Cal Volunteers, in the spirit of Sarge Shriver. Uh, we are asking people, thousands of folks, to be part of this new core to get trained and to help us with the tracing. Because you're absolutely right, the predicate for getting back to some semblance of normalcy is our ability to identify individuals through testing, to be able to trace their contacts to isolate individuals uh, that have uh, either uh, been exposed or quarantined people. Okay, they want to know your family. They want to know who you've been in contact. They want to see if those people are getting sick, and then they want to harvest you. Uh, that's basically what they want to do. That is the foundation. This is why they are doing this. Now, I'm going to take you back to see how um, uh, computers are involved. So I had 
published an article and a video about North Dakota. And you're going to be like, that's a state no one talks about. Exactly. It's a very unfriendly state to outside people from, you know, if you're not from North Dakota, you're an outsider, literally. How racist. <laughs> and um, they don't like people, uh, you know, calling them out. This is the most corrupt state on the planet. Right. I'm telling you now, uh, the governor is actually a partner with a Microsoft you know, if you want to see where the source of all of this is happening, it's right there. UN moving in right there. Borders with Canada right there. Track and trace app right there. Listen to this. COVID-19 and keeping the citizens of North Dakota safe. Our marching orders were pretty straightforward. The governor made no mistake about letting us know what his expectations were. And he would say, and he said it a number of times, he was consistent, and he would say, I want a robust, world-class contact tracing system. Those were our marching orders. And the team that I have the privilege of working with, um, we remind each other of that every single day as we go about that task. So our challenge is to reinvent the way we've done contact tracing in North Dakota. This is not new. This is not unique to COVID. Um, contact tracing has been used by public health for, for many years. It's a way of controlling infectious disease. Um, but as General Schulte said, the scope of our challenge has changed a great deal. When we used to do 200 tests or 150 tests a day, and we had 10 contact tracers in North Dakota, the scope was very different. And we could do that um, fairly rudimentary rudimentary by using are the unsung heroes these 300 inside of the numbers that you see I'm, every day i'm skipping through to find the point where he explains how easy it is where you okay here we go he's going to talk about the app just just listen to the rubbish he's going to say right here just listen they're the ones that created the app that now is in your updates on your iphones and android phones they created that software mm. hold on have here in north dakota so the engine, D365, that's the heartbeat. The automation of the testing events, that's an important part of serving the citizens. And the third part is something that we've... Automation of testing events. So what they wanted you to do is go online, fill out your information, and print out a QR code, kind of like an airport. Did I miss that part? You guys have to listen to it because he explains it like... Efficient with that. And so this morning, okay. um, we stood up a brand new system that will be beta tested this weekend. We are calling it Citizen Registry. Huh? Did you hear it? They're telling you what they're doing. Citizen Registry. Okay. These are DNA harvesting parties. And all these stupid idiots just walked right in there and they were like, oh, look at me. I just got this done and it's so easy. And it's like going through the airport with like a, you know, TSA clear pass. And it will allow the citizens to come to a testing facility. In some cases, if they want, fill out their demographic information before they even get to the site. Have a QR code, just like when you're boarding an airplane. Show that QR code to the guardsmen or public health. That contains your demographic information, and you go right into testing, and you get out of there, and you get on with your life. 
What? You get on with your life? You mean, unless you are the one. This is from months ago, you guys. This is from months ago. I was reporting on this months ago. This is happening everywhere. And then they had drive throughs and all these stupid idiots were driving in their car going there. Did you hear it? Citizen registry. They're not even lying to you. They're telling you what is happening. They are telling you, and I called it out, called it out, called it out. And you know, North Dakota only has 700,000 people. Are all of them sleepwalking? All of them? Wait, it gets better. Listen to how he talks about the tech they created. That's the fun part. That's the part that you're like, are you dumb? He just negated something. All of the clipboards, all of the three-part forms will be set aside, and the guardsmen and public health officials will have iPads and that's how the system will be. The information will be entered into the system that follows the specimen to the lab. The data digitally goes to the lab, follows and picks up those results, moves on to contact tra tracing, moves on to the public health department's um, data systems. And we do that without any manual intervention or without any other keying. I want to tell you something, just on your own time, go look at what the flag of North Dakota looks like. The only state in the United States that has something that resembles the presidential seal and has the um, term out of one, out of many, now one. Um, it's, I mean, I, I warned about this in 2000, but I, I guess, you know, that is missing so many years down the line because, you know, all they wanted to talk about was the IBM computer. They didn't focus on what was being said and what the future was going to look like. But okay. I was talking with General Schulte about this as we were watching it roll out this morning and feel pretty comfortable that in these, these um, events, these testing events, that we will be able to conduct those events with half the people that we do today. And that's important for, um, for efficiency. It's important for being good stewards of, um, of the resources that we have here in North Dakota. Okay, so I'm going to tell you something while I fast forward to the part with the app and what he says about it. Um, your, your National Guard is not loyal to, to the nation as a whole. It's loyal to the governor. I repeat, National Guard is not loyal to the nation. It is local localized uh, military. Again, I repeat, your National Guard does not take orders from your president. It takes order from the governor. The, the, the president has the right to command the National Guard military as long as the governor doesn't withstand it. I repeat, I'll repeat it again. Your National Guard has loyalty to the governor. And your National Guard also has loyalty to whatever state they have. You can look it up and find out what uh, country your National Guard has been designated as a sister military. Uh, because when we conducted the operation in Ukraine uh, to, you know, put whoever we wanted in office and use them as we wanted to under Obama, uh, the Ukrainian um, uh urban warfare you saw were really Californian and New York National Guardsmen. They were not Ukrainian. Crowd crowd out of Fargo, Tim and Darren have done an amazing job in their team. One of the first in the nation to, to release an app like this. 
and the app is dynamic and it's changing every day and it's improving every day and a new version just came out. It's on Apple, it's on Android. They are tightening up the location information. And it's amazing to see that we have 30,000 people that have downloaded that app. I just looked and we're just a tish under 30,000. I'm here to tell you that's not enough. Okay, so I'm going to stop I'm here stop to tell it. you if we're not capturing more of this data that supplements mm -hmm. our contact tracking system, it will be more and more difficult to stay in front of COVID. It's going to be more and more difficult to harvest your data. So let me, gosh darn it, I ran out of time again. See? Okay, so contact tracing, according to the World Health Organization, is uh, important so you can find someone that's infected with a virus like Ebola, higher risk, you know, whatever. Now, um, contact tracing, though, for us, uh, what it means is that we are the target. Uh, this is um, cybersecurity. Uh, this is cyber um and this is cyber game theory. Um, and I'll explain it to you in this way. So uh, what is game theory? So game theory is, you know, knowing your enemy, knowing their weaknesses, understanding everything about them and using that against them. Kind of like what I used to do. It's localizing. You know, you have to use social, cultural, uh, you know, the area, the geographical structure, uh, the demographics that are within the area that's your target. Uh, you have to understand how they think, where they go to pray, what they like to eat. You know, kind of how everybody knows, well, there's only in and outs in California. So nine times out of 10, if people aren't preferring what, like McDonald's or whatever, they're going to go to in and out right? So you have to understand how people... Um, uh, you know, respond, you know, in a smaller community, like for example, they'll go to their local coffee shop, not Starbucks, right? Uh, in, you know, how they operate. And this is how you theoretically model conflicts you can create to generate a result. And you can also model on how you can track and see them. So basically it's a model where you use, uh, economics, um, to further whatever natural selection uh, in regards to battles and wars you want to conduct uh, and pick what your outcome is. Uh, so there's a lot that can influence the outcome of how a game uh, goes and why it would fail. And why one player in this game, which is you, um, can win against, you know, the other player that's seeking to, uh, you know, capture you. Uh, there are many, many aspects. Now, for example, tactics, right? That's, that's one thing. You have to examine what tactical options each side has. So in this case, what tactical options do you have and what tactical options do they have? So they have the media. That's number one. They have the entertainment industry. They have the consumer industry. And all of those are coming as weapons. I want you to think of them as missiles, okay? And the only thing that you have on your side, aside from your faith, is knowledge, so those weapons are used to take away your ability to have actual knowledge. 
See, because once you have knowledge, then those weapons are obsolete. It's like, um, for example, if you wanted to... Um, uh, suppress enemy air defense, right? A sea, uh, you want to conduct a seed operation, right? Um, so, you know, what the attacker them can use like, um, a strike aircraft or a seed aircraft to come. But then, you know, we know that this is happening. So we use a SAM to deactivate them, right? It's war. It's just different weapons. And in this case, this war is actual, information. So, um, I just want you to understand just how big this war is. Um, you know, maybe I should, you know, on the weekly wrap up tomorrow, I'll go into really, really deep detail on their tactics. Now, for now, the one thing I would say is, how many of you remember the words that I told you without writing them down in honesty? And you don't have to answer, right? You don't have to answer. I gave three words, which is the usual test, not the five. You don't have to answer, but answer it to yourself. So you can see how um, how things uh how your mind works and how difficult that test is. So, uh, again, the only thing you can do to evade is obfuscate, learn their tools. Number one, you've been bounced off Twitter, get a new device, re-register if you want to get news. Stay low. You can follow other people, use another picture, use another phone number. You can get a Google voice number if you want to. Um, number, number two, Facebook, the same thing, new device, new profile, et cetera. Uh, YouTube, same thing. New device, new profile, et cetera. Email, phone number, et cetera. Now, um, another thing that you can do is use memes. They cannot detect text on pictures. So that is one of the biggest things. Videos as well, but you have to be careful with audio because like me, you know, I, it's going to be a matter of time where they're going to stop me being able to get supers and stickers and whatnot. So those are the things you need to focus on. Uh, so on that note, guys, I'm going to let you guys go. Um, it's the end of my show. But uh, I will be here for the press conference where the president um, is going to be speaking um, at, what is it, 5, 5.30? So, you, you know, around that time, get on and maybe we can have a chit-chat before the stream starts and um, we'll take it from there. Until then, pray, pray, and understand that you are at war. This is digital warfare and you have to learn how to arm yourself. And the only thing I can do is tell you what, what weapons they're using. And in the end, like I said, your faith at first coupled with knowledge is the Sam to the seed. Okay. That's all you need to know. You can deactivate all their weapons with knowledge and this is what they fear. And the problem in this, you know, suppression of speech and what they're doing is purposeful because if they can suppress your speech, then you can't give knowledge to others. This is why it's important we're on every single platform. DLive, Twitch, Discords, video games, Facebook, Twitter. You know, they're only going to have the ability to toy with our speech and our, and, and our ability to communicate just up until the election. So until then, let's fight them back. And this is how it goes. All right. I'll see you guys when he gets up uh, and starts talking to us. God bless. Mm -hmm.